Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. It was really crazy for me to go to Florida for a week and to completely stop all my thoughts. Like to stop all of my hustle, all of my to-dos, all of my chores, all of my schemes and plans and strategies. I am constantly in work mode, even though I'm like, slow down, Taryn, slow down, be still, slow down. And then I will slow down, but then I have four kids. I have a family of six and you, you can only slow down so slow. Like there's, you know, like groceries and the house cleaning and getting the schedule and where people are going on certain days and babysitters lined up. And there's still, you can't just stop. You know, there is so much. So when we left, it took me a good 48 hours to get my brain to stop. Like I was sitting on the beach with my husband and I'm like, is your brain just exploding right now? Like mine, or are you just sitting here relaxed? He's like, no, I'm pretty relaxed. I'm like, I like my brain is literally like grasping for things to think about. Like, and I had to keep saying like, nope, we're not doing that now. We're not worrying about the mom's group right now. Nope. We're not worrying about podcast episodes coming up. Nope. We're not worried about this. The only thing that I was planning on doing was out outside of just being present and being with my family was writing every single day and reading. And I'm reading this new book that is phenomenal. It's so amazing. And it's different than a book that I've read before. My grandma bought it for me and she bought it for me for my birthday and it's by Francine Rivers. So I don't know if anyone is familiar with her. Um, You might be familiar with her redeeming love book that she's written. That one was very, very popular. And the book that I'm reading is called a lineage of grace. And it says, um, underneath it says five stories of unlikely women who changed eternity. And the book is composed of five different stories. It's a really thick book. Like it's like a real thick and it's composed of five different stories about women in the Bible. And she takes scripture of what happened And she adds in story and details. So the story and the details that she adds in, she says, you know, aren't necessarily written in bold black ink in the Bible, but she shows you the scripture and she's like, you know, what would you think here? And that's pretty much, you know, what was happening. And, and so I was reading that I was reading these stories and I was just beside myself reading them. It, I, I highly recommend reading this book. It is just so great. It'll give you so much inspiration, make you understand the stories in the Bible just so much deeper and connect with these women to realize that God has always used really unlikely women to change eternity. And men too. And 
reading this has actually made me more confident in who I am in a way over the last week, because I'm seeing the stories come to life and I'm realizing, you know, God is using me too, because we always have that in the back of our head. Like, is God really using me? Like, is he really picking me? Am I really chosen? Like we believe it. And we say like, I'm chosen, I'm anointed, I'm set apart. I'm, you know, all of these things that we like recite and say, and we know the scripture and, but like, do we really believe that? Cause sometimes we just doubt that. And I know I do where it's like, am I really like, am, is God really talking to me? Am I really hearing this? And when you hear these scriptures and these stories, and this is why I've become obsessed with reading my Bible and studying it and learning about it, because the more that I learn about these people and what has happened to them, I just am blown away at the trust they had, the lack of trust they had too. And a lot of these people saw miracles and were alive during the times, like insane times. Like the story that I'm reading right now is when uh, it's all about Rahab, the prostitute. And it goes and it starts talking about how you know, all the Israelites were, were um, they all were wandering in the promised land, all the Jews were just like wandering and wandering and wandering and wandering, like looking for the promised land. Like where is the promised land? And they, they get to this, the, they're right outside of the city of Jericho. And they're like, this is, this is the promised land. We have to go in. And the only people that are alive, there was like millions of people who left slavery and were escaping and, and parted the, remember that he like, Moses parted the Red Sea and they escaped through it. And then he made water come out of a rock when they were thirsty and manna fell from the sky and fed them. That's all they ate was manna and the water, like all these miracles. Okay. You're seeing this like, whoa, God is real. He's feeding us. He's giving us water in the desert out of a rock. Like this is insane. And you have all of these people. And although they saw all those miracles, they still doubt, you know, it's like crazy to me. Like Moses parted the red sea because of God and you escaped and it closed up and killed all of your enemies. And you're still doubting what God says, like, what else do you need to see? And so sometimes I feel like it doesn't matter if God showed up on my front door and was like, Taryn, like, I have a message for you. It, you know, sometimes we're like, I wish that that would just happen. I wish God would just appear in the sky and talk to me, but I don't feel like we would actually even believe it. We would still come up with some crap excuse of why we're not following and why we're not thinking the way out of all of the people that were wandering to find the promised lands, only two of them, Joshua and Caleb were alive. Everyone else from the generation died and they were the two oldest people from the generation. And then everyone else in the tribes, they were all young and they were all, they, they were first generation, like they were born in the desert. They were born out there. They didn't escape from Egypt. They were born in the wilderness and they didn't see what Moses did with the Red Sea. They knew that manna was feeding them and they still had the water and they just heard stories from their ancestors of what they have been through. Like we just escaped from Egypt 
Now we're looking for the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb are left. And then all these young people. And it's so cool when you see Joshua and Caleb in scripture, they are, they were the ones who believed 40 years ago. Like they were like, we are, we're going to go in there. We're going to take it. God said, we can have it. We can take it. They were just warriors. They were bold and courageous. And they were like, let's go, let's take it. And all of the other people in the generation were like, no, 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 no. We're worried. This isn't going to work. And, and kind of talked them out of it. So now as they're older and they're the leaders and they're going forward, just hearing their boldness and their confidence in what God has told them to do. God just said, go cross over the Jordan river. I I'll help you cross over. Don't even worry about the logistics of that. I got you. And you're going to walk around for seven days or every step, every day you're going to, for seven days, you're going to walk one time around Jericho and come back. And on the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven times and then you're going to scream and blow your horns. And they didn't know what was going to happen. And Joshua is hearing from God and he's saying, okay, soldiers, this is what God told me. This is what we're going to do. And if I was in the army, I would be like, Joshua question real quick. Um, Do you know how fast the Jordan's moving? Like, do you, how are we, how are we going to get over it? And I have another question. How is blowing a horn going to do anything and yell around? But nobody said anything. And I think it's really interesting. Reading this book is the first time that I heard. And what I really like about Francine Rivers book is at the end of each story, she has a Bible study where she says the best way she says, you know, you just heard the story of Rahab and the best way to know if all of this is true and in the Bible, the way that it is is to seek and find it for yourself. So go to this scripture and read it. And what do you notice? And look up this character and who were they? And look up what she did and what was her job. And so she has you like seek and find the answers yourself. And they're all the answers that she came up with in the story. So it's not like just take my word for it. It's here, seek and do it too. So I like that it's a study at the end that you can go through and really gets you thinking. But as they're told to do these things. Joshua knew what would happen when you get people together, especially people that are worried and doubting they're doing something big. And he said, we're going to take a oath of silence and nobody is to speak at all because he knew that the second people started speaking, like, do you think this is going to work? Like, do you, who, do you even know Joshua? Like I heard when my dad said, you know, like he was like, zip it. Like nobody is going to talk because we're doing something huge and we're following God. And his faith was so strong and he was so confident in hearing from God himself that, that he was like, zip it. We're taking an oath of silence and this is what we're doing. And watching all of this unfold in my mind, not like, you know, visually, but watching it all unfold in my mind and they go around Jericho and they blow their horn and the walls just start to crumble and they take this city and they rescue Rahab and, and she like, it's, it's just beautiful. And then one of the spies that went in, and if you've never read the story of Jericho and all of this, um, definitely, you know, do some studying on yourself, um, on your own. Um, if you go to, in the Bible, if you want to read about it, 
Um, it is Joshua. Um, you can read Joshua um, just from the beginning and you can start reading all about it and what happened. Uh, but I also thought that it was really interesting that he sent in two spies to see what's going on inside of Jericho. Show me, you know, get in there. Tell me what's going on inside of the city that we're about to take. And one of the men that go in there as a spy is who meets Rahab, the prostitute. And he ends up falling in love with her just from first sight because of her love and her fear of God. And once he goes in and he promises, he says, you know, since you held us here and you hit us from the army and you let us be in your home, we're going to save you and your entire family. We will not hurt you when we come in to take the city. We promise we'll come back for you. And so as the walls crumble, he comes running in to rescue Rahab and her family and takes her out. And then after the war is over and the city is taken and everything is burned, he is like, I want to marry you. I, I want you to come live with me, like be in my tent, live with me, have my children. And she's like, you don't want me. I'm a prostitute. Like, you don't know what I've been through. And, you know, when you just hear her story of she's a prostitute, you're like, oh yeah, whatever. She's a prostitute. Like you shouldn't have chose that life. But when you really hear how she got into that life, it really wasn't her choice. And it's just a beautiful way to see grace and to see you can't judge a book by its cover, but also to see how much God loves everyone and wants to restore everyone, no matter what their path is. And he says this thing to Rahab that I just fell in love with when I heard. And he says, he's like, be, he's trying to convince her. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, trust me, you don't want to marry me. Like, you're so young. I'm old. Like you don't. And he's like, I see this faith in you, this burning desire to learn about and serve our God and your faith and your belief and your trust in God that you don't even know. She wasn't raised, you know, people in Jericho weren't Christians. They, they weren't following God. They were, they were idolizing these wooden statues and all of these different things that weren't God worshiping and idling all these false gods. And she, for whatever reason, believed in the God. And he said, I want to marry you because of the way that you fear and you long for this relationship with our God. I've never met a woman inside of my entire camp. So there's millions of people, never met a woman in my entire camp who fears and loves and seeks to know God the way you do. And it's amazing. And I want to teach you. I want to teach you about everything that God has to offer. And, and I want to do this. And, you know, she was just crying because she felt so unworthy and, and she's like, okay, like I'll do it. And that's how the story ends in the book that I'm in the Francine Rivers book is it's kind of like the end there. And then it goes to the Bible study. But when you grow up with God all around you, like we do here in the U S or in Canada, where most people are listening from. You know, it's, it's okay to be a Christian. You can, I mean, we have a podcast about it. You can talk about it. You can wear shirts and clothing. You can stand on the corner of the street with a sign that says Jesus loves you. You can do whatever you want and it's pretty much okay. 
But I think what happens is because it's so okay for us and it's just what we've grown up with and it's just been all around us that we really don't take it for what it is. And these people who are currently right now in 2023 that are in these other countries like Egypt, modern day, who are being killed and beheaded and executed because of their faith in God, you know, those people are so hungry and they're longing for God. And I want to know as much as I can. And there was, there was no books that she could have read. There was no podcast that Rahab could have listened to. There was, you know, there was nothing. She just had this feeling. And she just kept saying like, I know that this is God. I know that they're going to take the city. I don't, I can't explain it. I can't justify it. I just know. And her faith truly is so admirable because how many times do we just know, but yet we don't do it. We're like, I just have this feeling I should go, or I have this feeling I should stay, or I have this feeling I should quit, or I have this feeling I should go over here, or even just driving in your car. Like, I just think I'm going to go this way today. Like, why did you just go that way? You know, there's little things that we do throughout the day that we don't realize that we're doing them or that God is leading us and guiding us to where he wants us to go in our lives. But all we need to do is have faith and we need to trust and don't get complacent because you live in a country where our government is fine with you worshiping our God. That's what they feel like. It's like, it's fine. You can worship your own God. You can worship whatever you want. We don't care. Just, you know, do what you want. And the problem with that is that we all just get too comfy and stagnant and complacent, which Caitlin, you nailed it right on the head earlier by saying it's different than being, you know, when you're, when you're content, it's different than being complacent. And it's different than a negative thing because we're called to be content with what we have. And that's a huge thing that the devil is after in us is our contentment. And we're called to be content you know, that's what we're supposed to do. We are not called to be complacent. We're called to be content. And they're two totally different things. But if we just start to tap into our own thoughts a little bit more on what God is telling us and our soul feelings, and I want to say our, our regular feelings, like our bodily feelings and emotions, because we know that those can never be trusted, (laughs) like never trust someone who's not of sound mind, including yourself. But when you have this soulful feeling, like I should do this, or I need to do this, or I need to write a book or start a podcast, or I need to take this job, or I need to, you know, write this down or start doing this. Like you need to start trusting in that because God can be using you to completely change the world. Just like he did with Rahab, just like he did with all types of women in the Bible. And you're no different. You know, we're, we're really no different. God is using us, unlikely women, to change eternity. And he's looking for people that are saying, I'll go. That's it. He's like, who, who wants to go? I'll go. I'll do it. And when we trust in our own powers and our own self, then we start to think like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. What's going to happen? You know, our analytical mind starts processing and thinking and overthinking and overanalyzing. And when you're just like, nope, it'll work out. God's got this. And you just kind of shut your brain down and you're like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be obedient. A lot of doors start opening and they start opening pretty quickly, but our disobedience is really what keeps us 
stuck in the same spot. It's what keeps us wandering around in the wilderness, looking for the promised land. And we talked a couple episodes about um, strategy. And if you missed, if you missed that episode, you're going to want to go back and listen to it. Um, It's season two, episode two on the podcast strategy. And we talked about all the things about strategy and why you're stuck and why you're not moving forward and why you're not listening to God and you're listening to man or you're listening to the devil. And it's a really great episode. If you're struggling with your strategy, if you're feeling like a little bit stuck, we talked about your mission and your vision and you know how you're going to do it and partnering with God and working hard. And we talked about the fact that Moses was leading all these guys into the promised land. And it really was only 250 miles that they had to go. It would have taken about 11 days, but it took them 40 years. So how long will it take you? You know, how long are you willing to wait? How, how much time and how much experience are you willing to lose out on? And, and that includes your generations to come. Because look at how much the people that were wandering through the wilderness, look at how much they missed out on because their parents couldn't get it together and have the faith. And the children were talking about that. You know, the two spies that went in to grab Rahab, they were talking about that and saying, Lord, please don't let us go backwards like our parents did. Let us have the faith that our parents couldn't have. And they knew that their parents screwed up. They watched their entire family die in the wilderness. But imagine if they would have went into the promised land and then they all would have been born within the promised land, how different their life would have been. You know, you really have the opportunity to change your generations a lot quicker than you think you do, but you're so focused on yourself and you're so focused on your own thoughts that it's really clouding everything that you do. And I made a a post the other day and it said, it was a reel and it said five things to stop doing in 2023. And one of the things said, stop focusing on yourself. And I had this troll or whatever he was comment on it and was like, oh, stop focusing on yourself. Yeah, that's a good one. And I was like, actually it is like, if you followed me and you actually knew what I was talking about, then you would agree. But yes, like focusing on self-care, taking care of yourself, building yourself up, linking with God, nourishing your soul with him, the living well. Yes. All of those things are so important, but when you're constantly focusing on you, 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 it's never going to get you anywhere. You have to be focusing on other people and serving and how are we going to show up and what are we supposed to do? Because That's what's going to motivate us. And that's, what's going to help us move things along when you're just thinking about yourself all the time. And what do I want to do? And how do I want to do it? And how is it going to work? And is that going to work? And what if it doesn't work? It's that's all you're thinking of. It's all consuming and you're not able to hear from God at all. But if you're thinking, Lord, how do you want me to show up today? Where can I serve you? Who do you need me to talk to? Who do you want me to love and show your kindness towards today? That's what he calls us to do. So if you're focusing on God and what he wants to do in others, you will live a lot better of a life where you feel calmer and you feel more fulfilled and you feel more successful. 
really, I mean, the days, think about it. The days where you're in the deepest pits of the Valley, where you just want to isolate yourself, cancel everything on your schedule. Like, what are you thinking about? What are your thoughts? I guarantee they're all about yourself. It's all about, do I know what I'm doing? Am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? Is this true? Did God really tell me that? Am I crazy? You know, I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm so overwhelmed. I have so much to do. I'm so behind. I'm a procrastinator. I, 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 that's, that's what's really going through your mind. And that's why I say that if you can't shut up in your own mind, then listen to something because you can't listen and talk at the same time. And, and I still, to this day, like I will admit, and I don't want you to think that this will go away and stay away forever. I have days currently where I feel this way, where I wake up and I feel this way, or all of a sudden it's like two o'clock and it hits me and I feel this way. And the days are less and less and less. I used to feel like this more than I didn't. And now it happens a couple of times a month, but I want you to know that it's normal and it will happen, but you just have to focus on something else. So the reason why I started reading this book actually is because, well, my grandma gave it to me and I wanted to bring a book with me on my trip. And I was kind of just looking through my bookshelf. I'm like, I'm going to bring this one. I, th this sounds good. And so I grabbed it. I always bring a book with me when I travel. And just to be honest, I don't usually read it. <laughs> like I'm more of an audi audible listener. I'm not really like a, let me open a book and read. Cause that just makes me tired, but I'm like, I'm just going to bring it anyway. Like, let's just, let's just see how it goes. And the reason why I started picking it up and I actually started reading it on that second day is because I couldn't shut up my mind. And it was because I had nothing to do. I was just sitting on the beach and I'm like, like crawling in my skin. Like, what are we going to do tonight? What are we going to do tomorrow? And I have to do this and let me check my phone and let me, and I'm like, no, there's nothing I need to be doing. Like I would check my phone. Nothing would be there. I'm like, no, put your phone away. Like, you know, you have to, you really have to be intentional of like, or just allow yourself. Like I'm, I'm just going to rest today. And it's, that's what we're supposed to be doing on a Sabbath. But instead we're using that day to catch up. Like, let me clean my house and let me do my laundry. Let me meal prep and get my grocery list going. And you know, all those things when we're supposed to just be sitting there resting. And so I have used this book as a way to rest as a way to be doing something, but I'm resting my mind and I'm just reading about this story and it's really easy to follow. It's, you know, written in modern day language. You're not trying to like, like decipher the King James version of the scriptures or put it all together. You know, it's just like an easy flow. And what turned out to just be a way to distract my mind ended up being, I, I read two, I read half the book while I was gone in the week, which is a lot. Like I said, the book is so thick. I couldn't believe how much I read, but I couldn't put it down. And I was reading every night and I was reading during the day at the beach, at the pool. I was finding myself like, oh, I'm going to read right now. I'm going to read, like just trying to find any excuse to read this book. And it immediately shut up my mind. And after that second day, when I started reading this, my mind didn't race. Actually, it took me a minute to get back into the race when I came home which I'm thankful for. I didn't want to just pick back right up into the race. Like, okay, we're home. Let's go. And we got home on Saturday. I did all my stuff on Saturday. 
And I was like, I am not going to start hustling and bustling and racing through my life. Like I will not do that again. So I have a blank week. Every week we have a blank week of what we're going to do. And you can say yes or no to things. And you can keep your mind in the right place if you focus on the things you're supposed to and don't focus on the things you're not supposed to. And so today, it being Monday, I have my list of what I'm going to do today, but I'm going to keep reading and I'm going to keep writing because those are the two most important things that I feel I need to do. The reading keeps my brain calmed down and quiet and relaxed. And writing makes me feel so successful and so fulfilled because I'm doing the most important thing that I know God wants me to do. And you may not have that in common with me. You may not have to write. And that's not something you were called to do. And you don't feel like you're gifted in that. And you don't have to do what I'm doing, but you need to figure out what is it that you're supposed to be doing. And I read the book, Eat That Frog, which we talked about a few episodes ago. And it's really what got me to finally write every single morning by eating your frog first thing in the morning and doing the most important thing in your day. And I just can't express to you enough how freeing it's felt for me to wake up and do that first thing. Some people are like, I need to wake up and work out right away, or I need to wake up and whatever, fill in the blank. Like what have you been called to do? What do you need to be doing first? What have you been putting off that you know you need to do? Because the more you put it off and the more you avoid it, the more it wears you down and goes around in your brain and you're overthinking and overanalyzing and worrying and stressing and doubting and fearing. And all of these things are happening because you're avoiding the thing that God has told you to do. And it's the same as the people escaping slavery in Egypt to go into the promised land and being free. But instead of focusing on the thing that God told them to do, they're focused on a million other things and they're never getting to the promised land. So you're going to get into heaven, but are you going to bring people with you? You may not. And are you going to make a huge impact with your generations to come? You probably won't. And it just depends on what you want to do while you're here. Do you want to just get by and struggle through your life and just keep self-sabotaging yourself, keep, you know, screwing up your life and what you're supposed to do because of your disobedience or your fear, doubt, your worry, your control, or do you want to live an abundant life where you feel so fulfilled and you feel so free that you literally just burst into tears crying because you're so overwhelmed with joy and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and all the fruits of the spirit that you receive from the Holy Spirit because you're walking with God, it's your life. You choose how you want to live it. And if you want to live where you don't really make that big of an impact and you don't really experience joy every single day, and you're just striving for happiness and striving for idols like money and success and fame and status and your life isn't going to be that great. Just like the people who died in the wilderness because they, they were idolatrous people, even though they were following God and, and they were like, okay, I saw all these miracles happen, but they still weren't believing like they should. 
And if you missed, there's two episodes that I want to tell you to listen to, um, aside from episode two strategy. So episode 34, um, nope, 43, (laughs) sorry. Episode 43 is called self-sabotage and episode 98 is called impatience equals self-sabotage. And both of those episodes were from season one and are obviously both on self-sabotage. And if you feel like Taryn, this is totally what I struggle with. Like I have to get out of my own way. I have to stop overthinking, overanalyzing, doubting, worrying, fearing, all these things I need to break out. I have to live a life filled with abundance and joy and impacting generations. And I want to be so joyful that I cry and I'm ready to experience this life. Then I want you to re-listen to those or listen to them for the first time, episode 43 and 98. And I want to briefly tell you what self-sabotage is. And then I'm going to tell you about a story of someone in the Bible who self-sabotaged like really, really bad. Um, Because, you know, I'm looking at this, like thinking that all of, all of the, all these Jews, they really self-sabotaged big time, you know, with their disobedience was the biggest reason. And then their fear and they did. You know, they didn't even enter the promised land. The only two people who did were Joshua and Caleb. Everyone else didn't enter and they all died out in the wilderness. So then I just started thinking like, has this happened before in the Bible where people totally screwed up what God was going to do for them? I'm like, please find me someone. So I'm not alone. Like, please tell me this has been happening this whole time. I'm not the only person. So I looked up what self-sabotage meant and it just says self-sabotage is when people do or don't do things that block their success or prevent them from accomplishing their goals. It can happen consciously or unconsciously. And I think that's important to, to point out because you might think, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But you don't realize that subconsciously you're doing it and you don't even realize you're doing it. Like you have a fear. That's why having a coach is so great or having a close Christian friend, someone who can see your blind spots, they can see areas of your life that you can't, where it's like, no, fear is holding you back. Like it really is. You don't see that, but it is. So if you don't have that person to speak into your life, then start praying that you find someone and then put yourself into a church, into the community into a circle of people that are going to build you up, pray over you, speak life into you. I'm actually starting a women's circle group. It'll start to be Thursday evenings, twice a month locally. So if you're local to me, you can message me and I'll tell you the address and you can come to that because I just felt like I need to be surrounded by 12 women around me where we're focusing on the same things. We're meeting face-to-face. We're pouring into one another. So you need to also find that you need to get plugged into a church, a community, a circle. You need to do that. Um, so just a little side note to plug into a church in your area, but self-sabotaging behaviors can affect both our personal and our professional success, as well as our mental health. So there's three areas that they're really affecting you. It's not just in your career. It's not just at home. It's both, but also it's affecting your mental health. And for me, I feel like this really affected my mental health for so long. And I've struggled with my mental health for as long as I can recall. And up until recently, I would say that I don't really struggle 
with my mental health anymore. Maybe I'll have like a day or two a month, depending on my hormone cycle, where I'll like kind of start to feel it coming back. But other than that, I, I feel like I have been redeemed and God has delivered me from this. But I think that it was also a conscious decision of I'm not going to let this hold me back anymore. I'm not going to be standing in my own way and blocking the door to success. I'm going to just let go and let God like that saying, like, I really was like, I'm nope, not worrying about it. Nope. Release it. God, will, God has it. God will work it out. And I kept saying that out loud to myself to like, I think I really didn't believe it at first. So I had to like say it out loud. I'm like, God's got it. God's got it. And then I'm like, God, I really hope you got this. Like, I hope you got it. Like you do, you got it. I'm just going to let you get it. So it took me a little while to really believe this and to like, uh, put it into action, I guess. But the two biggest things that I see people sabotaging themselves is by being disobedient to what God has told them to do or letting fear, doubt, and worry control and consume them. So really those are like two ways to self-sabotage. Be disobedient, let fear, doubt, and worry control and consume you. If you're doing that, perfect. You're self-sabotaging. Like that is a uh, formula that works every single time to self-sabotage what you're doing. So by being disobedient to what God is telling you to do or letting this all come through is really, you know, is really going to affect your life and what happens. And the story that I want to talk to you about is Noah and he was disobedient, um, in a way like you think like Noah, he wasn't disobedient. He built an ark. You know, there was a drought. There hadn't been any rain at all. And God was like, Noah, build an ark. There's going to be a flood. And he built it for like, I don't know the exact number, but I remember reading it. It was like 120 years or something like that. Like over a hundred years, he was building this ark with his sons and they were building it. And he, and they built this ark. So very obedient. Now I'm sure that was hard. Like if I lived in a desert where it's been a drought for the last 40 years and God was like, build a boat, build a huge ark. And I'm going to send you all the animals. I would be like, am I crazy? Like where, where did this thought come from? I am actually a crazy person. Like, you know how I'm sure he thought that I'm sure he wasn't like, okay, Lord, here I am. Like, you know, I'm sure he was like, um, I don't know how to build an ark. People are going to think I'm nuts. Um, and me and my children just watched Evan almighty recently. Uh, if you haven't watched it with Steve Carell, very funny, very good. Lots of little, you know, like Bible jokes in there. Um, but it's, it's good to watch, to watch by yourself or with your family, but Noah was pretty obedient, but I want to talk to you about what happened after the ark you know, after the flood came, the ark settled on the top of the mountain, they left the ark and they went and started building families. They started duplicating. And so his sons were Shem, Hem, and Japheth, and they came out of the ark. That's like so important to tell you. They came out of the ark. So they saw the miracle. They saw the earth flood. Every single human being that they knew of had died. Every single thing had been destroyed besides what was in the ark. The entire world was underwater 
even the mountains were underwater. So think about how much water that is. Like the mountains were underwater. There was nothing showing at all. Think of the highest mountain you've ever seen underwater. Because we're not talking just like 20 feet of water, like everything gone. They were like, dad, you were right. This is crazy. Like God told you to build this ark and you went in there and this is awesome. And we're here and they're with all the animals that just showed up. Like that's a miracle too. All the animals showed up and they're in the ark and then it settles on the mountain and they let all the animals go and they go out. And so they just experienced a miracle. So, and Hem had a son named Canaan. So Noah was his grandfather. And the Bible says that Noah established a vineyard. That was what he was like, okay, here I am. I'm going to establish this vineyard. I'm going to make a way of living. And he got drunk one night. This is where the obedience, the disobedience comes into place. Okay. He got drunk on wine from his vineyard and he fell asleep naked and Hem came in. So that's his his second son, Shem, Hem, and Japheth. So Hem came in and saw him and then went out and told his two brothers and were like, dude, dad's wasted and he's naked, like making fun of him, like, come look. So the two brothers went in respectably. They actually, the Bible says that they didn't even look. They walked in backwards. They covered him. And then when Noah woke up from his wine, they told him what happened. And so this is another thing that you really need to pay attention to. He woke up from his wine. It literally says he woke up from his wine. So he was drunk off of wine, woke up. Okay. If you've ever been drunk on wine, I want you to put yourself in this position. Okay. You're wasted off of wine. You fall asleep naked. You wake up. You're, you're still drunk, right? Like you're still like, whoa, like I still have some wine pumping through this blood. So he wakes up and he finds out what happened. He finds out that Hem went in and was mocking him, was making fun of him being naked and saw him. And this is what he said. Noah immediately said, cursed be Canaan because Canaan was Hem's son. So he wakes up, he's mad at his son and he curses his grandson. And he says, cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. And then he praises the other brothers, Shem and Japheth, and says that Canaan is going to be a slave to them. And this is where the Canaanites come from. The Canaanites are mentioned over 150 times in the Bible, and they're known as a wicked, idolatrous people. They're all descending from Noah's grandson, Canaan. So Canaan was cursed because literally because of his grandfather's words, like the main point is Noah got drunk and then cursed his own generation. How dumb can you be? Like you're drunk on wine. He wouldn't have done that if he was sober. I'm sure he just experienced a miracle. I mean, this is a man that has been faithful and showed up and did what God told him to do, no matter how crazy it was. He's like, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do this. I'm going to build this ark. Here we go. I have my sons. I have my wife. We're in here. And then he gets drunk and he wakes up drunk and he's like, curse my grandson. May you be a slave to everyone. 
I want you to know the power of your words here, like big time. Okay. Your words, powerful. Noah's words weren't extra powerful because he built an ark. No, they're just as powerful as your words. Also, if he wouldn't have gotten drunk, he wouldn't have fallen asleep naked and he would have had nothing to be mad about to curse his own generation. And then, and then Canaan produces all of these wicked idolatrous people who are not following God. They're not worshiping God. I mean, he literally cursed his own family. He literally did this, like talk about self-sabotage. Like this is self-sabotage. So this is another reason why I stopped drinking. You know, alcohol isn't because I fell asleep naked and people made fun of me. I'm sure, I'm sure that's happened, you know, in my days. But I realize that nothing good comes from alcohol for me. Um, anger, um, just being like over emotional or taking things a certain way. You know, my husband and I, on our trip to Florida, we didn't drink at all. And it was great. There were other people who did drink and then they were fighting. You know, we saw that like, and I'm like, oh, alcohol's involved. You know, like there's, oh, and we've seen that over the last, uh, I don't know, 10 months since we've been sober seeing people do this where they're drunk and they're fighting they're on the boat and they're mad at each other and they're fighting and they're they're saying things that they never would say if they're sober they're doing things they never would do if they were sober and this is just a perfect example with Noah doing this like his disobedience led to all of this and then and do a little study of your own on the Canaanites and look at them because the Canaanites, like I said, are mentioned over 150 times. Just search, you know, where in the Bible does it talk about the Canaanites and look and see where it talks about and read scripture because the Canaanites were not people that you wanted to be in bed with. You know, they literally said that, like, do not let my son marry a Canaanite woman. Like, do not let that happen. I cannot let that happen. That will ruin my generations to come. And there were, there's a lot of self-sabotage in the Bible. When I started looking and seeing, this was just the one that stood out to me the most. And I've been reading through, I've been talking a lot about the same stuff, like Moses and, you know, wandering through the wilderness and leaving slavery and going into the promised land and Noah. And I've been reading the beginning of the Bible, just like over and over. And God keeps just putting it back in my place. It's not because I wanted to just do this study on the beginning of the Bible. Everywhere I go, I'm learning about this. Like I go to church and it's about the promised land and I pick up the book from Francine Rivers and it's how funny all about them going into Jericho. And then I get home from my trip and I open up my daughter's Bible to read to her as she was falling asleep. And I literally open it up where our bookmark is. And it was all about Rahab and Jericho. I'm like, are you serious? Like, how is this right here again? Go to church yesterday, all about the promised land and wandering. And, and it's all just keeps showing me like you are promised something. You are called to go into your promised land. You are not a slave to addiction. You are not a slave to fear. You are not a slave to worry and doubt 
and overthinking. You're not a slave. You just think you are. These people were literally taken out of slavery where they were forced to work. They were whipped and beaten. Their kids were taken from them. I mean, they're, I mean, literally their kids were taken and killed. Like they, they were slaves and they left and then still had a slave mentality where they couldn't break away from there. They were still like, no, I'm a slave. Like I can't, I can't, I'm not worthy and I'm not good enough. And we can't take them and they're too big and they're too strong. And we're just these people. And we just, and it literally was all just their, their thoughts, their self-sabotage. So don't let yourself get in the way. We have the devil we're trying to fight. We have our flesh that we're trying to fight. All you need to do is keep your eyes set on God, set on what he says, set on heavenly things not earthly things, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. We're focusing on heaven. We could literally tonight be brought up and Jesus could come back tonight and take us. You could die today. I mean, nothing that you're focusing on really even matters besides what you're doing for God and leaning forward. And if you have been so scared to step into who God wants you to be, and to start doing the things that God has told you to do. And you've just been wandering and wandering and wandering and wandering. And you're like, okay, enough is enough. I'm exhausted. I've been walking in circles. I can't keep doing this. Then I challenge you to write down. And we talked about this on strategy and season two, episode two, to write down what it is that you know that you need to be doing and then start doing it. Take this step to start doing it. And I promise as you do those things, especially because you wrote it down and then you're going to take the step, you will start to see God meeting you and helping you in amazing ways. And that's what's going to build your faith with God is because you put yourself out there. He took it from there and made you successful and it worked out for you. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to put myself out here again. God's got me. God's got me. God's got me. And just chant that to yourself over and over. And you will start to build a relationship closer to Jesus because you're spending more time with him. You're relying on him to bring you to where you need to go. And that's really how you get to know people, right? Like you are like, I know your character. I've been around you. I know what you say is true. I trust you. I, you know, people like that, that you've, maybe it's your spouse or your parent. Maybe you don't have anyone like that where you're like, yep, every single person has let me down and totally, you know, made me so sad, but we can rely on Jesus to always be the same, to trust in what he says. If you don't know what he said, then how are you going to trust in what he said? You have to be reading your Bible. You have to be reading your Bible. Like that is the number one thing that you should be doing. If I'm coaching you and, and you start telling me how you're feeling and what you're and what you're thinking and what's holding you back. My first question is how much of the Bible have you been reading in the last five days? How many of those days have you read the Bible and for how long have you read it? And what did you read? I that's literally as your coach, that's what I would be asking you because that's what matters more than anything else that you're going to do. What are you learning and reading? What are you focusing your mind on? Because if you're just trying to do this all yourself and you're like, I'm trying to strategize, I'm trying to plot, I'm trying to put it together. I'm trying to figure this out. Well, that's why you're so burnt out and exhausted. 
And that's why you're doubting if you can do this, because so far you're trying to do it all on your own and you're putting all of your eggs in your own basket. Like, okay, I'm just going to trust myself, which you don't trust yourself because you've screwed up so many times. You know, we all can look back and say like, oh, I really blew it that time. I really messed up big. I really shouldn't have done that. We're not, we're not trusting in ourselves. We're trusting in God to do it through us. So please, if you're self-sabotaging, please, for God's sake, stop doing it. Get out of your way. The devil doesn't even have to mess with you because you're messing with yourself. He's like, oh, good. She's got it. Yeah. She'll screw up. She'll, she'll wander for a few years. I can go mess with someone else. Like, because you literally are messing with yourself. You're messing with the own plan. And don't forget the power of prayer. If you cannot stop worrying and you cannot stop fearing what's next, pray and look up scripture. What does God say about fear? And write out 10 scriptures on fear. What does God say about worry? Write out 10 scriptures on worry. Write them out. Spend some time doing that. If you can't get past this feeling of like, I'm not enough, look up scripture. What does the Bible say about not being enough? Not being worthy, not being called, chosen, anointed, all of these things you can look up and do your own study. And when you write out 10 scriptures on fear and the scriptures are like, fear not, I did not give you a spirit of fear. You are to be bold and courageous. Uh, All these, you'll be like, okay, this is so dumb that I'm even thinking about this. This is obviously not what God says to do. And it will help you to see the word. It'll help you to move forward. You might have to read those 10 scriptures or write down 10 new scriptures every day for a week to start feeling better. But I promise it won't really take that long. I would say it wouldn't even take a week. Usually when I have people do this exercise, they feel better the first day, like literally the first day. And this is why this is an exercise in our Valley Guide, the five steps to hope that you can download. The link will be in the description of this podcast or on YouTube. And it's also found on my Instagram. If you go to at Terrence Arconi under free downloads, you can download the Valley Guide, which tells you your five steps that you need to take immediately to get out of the valley. So this thinking and this self-sabotage, it's just a form of the valley. And one of the things that you need to do is you need to learn your true identity and what God says about these things. And it's write it down, look up the scriptures for yourself, write it down. So you don't have to be stuck here forever. You don't have to deal with self-sabotage for the rest of your life. Now that you are aware of it and you're like, this is me, I'm really screwing this up for myself. Now, you know what you need to do next. Now, you know where you need to focus. I just gave you three podcasts that you can listen to after this and a bunch of homework and journals and things that you can start to do. If you need extra help and you really want to talk to me, then send me a message on Instagram and I will put you in my schedule and we can talk on a clarity call and we can talk a little bit about what's holding you back, what you're thinking of. And I can just give you a little direction on maybe a book to read or certain prayers to say, um, some scriptures to look up, some other podcasts you can listen to. And don't forget that in the link in my bio on Instagram, I also have bookmarked my favorite sermons. And for people who are in the Valley, these are the sermons that actually brought me out of the Valley while I was in it. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by this, you have like, I mean, literally like probably like 30 hours of sermons 
plus the three hours of podcasts that I just gave you. So I have 33 hours of content you can listen to. So don't worry, your mind can just shut down and you can just listen to these and you will start to feel better. So if you need anything, you know where to find me. I love you guys. Thank you for being on live. Thank you for listening to the recording. Truly means a lot to me. And you, you can just do way more than you think you can. Don't let anything hold you back. I promise God wants to use you. You're worthy to be used. And if you link with God, he will use you. He promises. So don't forget it. Do not forget. Okay. Love you guys. See ya. Thank you for waking up with me today and setting your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And I pray that God leads you and guides you to your promised land and your fear and your worry and your doubt all wash away. If you are stuck in the valley and you are feeling hopeless and helpless, please download my five steps to hope valley guide that will tell you step by step by step how to get out of the valley and to stay out of the valley. You can find that on the link on my Instagram, as well as tons of other free tools, prayers, printouts for your identity, and to get my favorite list of books, devotions um, for adults and for kids. Also learn my favorite accountability software that I use for my kids and check out my favorite must watch sermons if you're in the valley. Thank you. God bless.